Welcome to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhamford.org. Can you give uh, Pastor Craig Stanton a round of applause as he comes, please? Like I said, Craig was my boss, now a mentor and friend. Uh, what a lot of people don't know about pastors is actually Jeff and I have a running joke that uh, I didn't go to school for this, right? Over and over, Jeff and I talk about this all. We had migrating swallows coming through at one point, building nests on the side of our building. And our job as we got here was to climb up and down the ladder and spray the swallows' nests so they wouldn't stay here, right? Those are some of the things. So when I was hired at Selma First Baptist by Craig, uh, uh, he put me up in a tower away from everybody else, um, and it was really hot up there. And so I was like, hey, can I get like a fan or something? Like, we'll, put, we'll put a swamp cooler up there for you. And she's like, all right, cool. So I come into my office the next day, and there's a massive hole in the ceiling above my desk. Massive hole. I was like, what happened? Craig, what happened? Well, the pastor was obviously running electrical to where the uh, swamp cooler is going to be, and he almost plunged like 12 feet to your death in order to get me air conditioning. Sacrifice, man. Sacrifice. I, <laughs> I appreciate I it. Yeah, you care. <laughs> um, so a uh, couple of things just before we get started. First thing that you need to know is Craig is going to throw me under the bus at every chance that he gets because that's what a good old boss does. And second thing that you need to know is uh, the Giants are still better than the Dodgers at the end of this message. So all that to be said, Craig Staten, everybody. Makes me wish I'd never covered that hole and should have let him, left him just have that hole as ventilation. <laughs> so, um, well, I am absolutely delighted to be here to be able to share. Um, Peter is both um, a friend and a colleague. Um, for four years, we served together in Selma at Selma First Baptist. I uh, served there for 18 years and then um, moved to Southern California, and I've become the uh, CEO at a retirement community there called Atherton Baptist Homes. Um, your Pastor Gary and Jeff are well aware of this uh, community. It's in Alhambra, and um, there's not really a community in the South Valley here like uh, Atherton. Uh, there is, in Reedley, there's a place called uh, Palm Village, if you've heard of that, and what we do is we provide independent, assisted, and skilled nursing all under one campus. So I have 15 acres, 75 buildings, 220 independent living units, 32 assisted, and a 99-bed skilled nursing, 385 people that I kind of oversee and make sure that we get everything done and care for everybody and take care of everything. It's much like being a pastor except for you have to clothe and feed them, also unhouse them. And uh, so some days it's a little uh, uh, tricky. Uh, COVID was a very scary time for us and um, we actually came through okay, but when COVID got into our building, it did um, immeasurable damage. It was a tragedy. And so we're thankful that all of that season is behind us and grateful to be here uh, to share with you. I must say that I feel like that all of the good qualities that Peter has are from his parents and his wife. Sarah is exceptional. Um, she's related to our family. Both Peter and I married into kind of this family, and um, they're just wonderful folks. 
And uh, so she has been remarkable and has always been, and the best qualities of Peter always come from Sarah, um, and I'm very thankful for that. His lesser qualities are probably me, yes. And I must tell you that um, I truly apologize. I truly apologize. I worked very hard to get Peter to move from the Giants to the Dodgers and feel like I failed miserably in that. Although I must say, some of the best years of the Giants' lives were when they were with, when he was with me in Selma. And so I think he owes me something, at least, from doing that. But nonetheless, it's, um, it's a joy to be here and share with you. So Peter also called me and he said, um, we're doing a series in Proverbs. Would you be interested in helping out and preaching one Sunday? Sure, Pete, what do you want? He said, why don't you take the last Sunday of Proverbs? I'll give you Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. Thanks, Pete. Great. Which initially my thought was I was going to introduce you to my wife, say she's a wonderful Virtuous woman, I am so lucky to have married her. My life is so much better. After the service, please come and talk to her. Let's close in prayer. Um, but Pete said, no, you need to go a little bit further than that. Okay, all right. So um, I must say that I have been blessed by some wonderful women in my life. And actually, I used Proverbs 31 when I preached my mother's. Uh, funeral service. And um, I said at the time she would have not seen herself as a virtuous woman, but for we, her children, um, her husband, and for the community around us, we all viewed her that way. And um, I've had the joy of seeing, working with some of the exceptional women. As I said before, my wife, I married a wonderful woman. And um, I've worked with some people uh, that have served our churches, um, Dina and Lori and Marie. I just can go on. And Peter's, uh, Sarah's uh, both mother and her grandmother and grandfather were the reason I was at Selma First Baptist Church. And Margie and Dick Fry were some of the most gracious, wonderful Christian people I have ever met in my life. And uh, truly, that was a man of God, and she, uh, his, her Margie was a woman of God. So preaching this passage and thinking through this passage is really reflects to me about the people that actually um, embodied this Scripture, who lived it out over and over again. And so I'm happy to do that with their memory. Um, having said that, so a couple months ago, the church that I go to began to start a new series in the book of Matthew. And so we were going to walk through the Gospel of Matthew, and that was real nice. And so we started in the first chapter of Matthew in March, and one of the early stories is the story of the wise men. And reading the story of the wise men is a little different in March. There was no Christmas tree. There was no crash, no baby Jesus, no camels, no sheep, nothing like that around there. There were none of the accoutrements that usually adorned Christmas around that story. 
And so I was looking at that story just, and the pastor was looking for that story and teaching us just in a way that was brand new to us. It gave fresh perspective to who these characters were, how they were a part of the life of Jesus, and what the meaning of this story was all about that Luke wanted to convey, or Matthew wanted to convey to us. And I thought about that in relationship to this passage, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. It's what's called the virtuous woman. These are scriptures around that ideal. And I realized that normally pastors kind of pull this out on Mother's Day. And though my wife would tell me and remind me that every day is Mother's Day, Craig, you need to remember that as father. Nonetheless, it is a, different, a little bit different context. And so maybe it'll help us to rethink a little bit about this passage, see it in a broader perspective. And I've kind of taken that position. So normally when somebody preaches and talks about this, they start in Proverbs 31, 10 through 21, and they leave out the first nine verses of Proverbs. But today I'm going to tie all of this together and hopefully maybe have you think of this in a little bit different way. Because actually this passage as a whole, this whole chapter, is really a mother's advice. It's advice that a king has that he heard from his mom and he's now reiterating or, if you will, reconstituting back to us in Scripture. So it begins in chapter 1 and it says right here, um, the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Who is King Lemuel? We don't know. We honestly, truly don't know. You go through the Old Testament and there's no place where there's a King Lemuel in the line of kings in uh, the Old Testament for Israel or Judah. His name never pops up. There are some commentators that says maybe it's a pseudoname for one of those. We don't know. It's not there. Maybe, it's, maybe he's a king around the cultures and maybe his words are adapted in because they fit the tone and the texture of what the writer of Proverbs was trying to get us or the compiler was trying to get us. But again, there's no mention of King Lemuel. We don't know. We just don't know who this man was. But whoever he was... The words that he writes here are important to him. His mother has told him some things. He wants us to know that these truths are important, were important to him about what it means to be a king, to be a good leader, to be a ruler. And so this morning, I just want to spend a few minutes talking to you because there's four points that just kind of fall out in this text, in this chapter, about what it means to be a good king. So here's the first one. King Lemuel says, number one, be careful of the opposite sex. I realized after I wrote that, 
maybe probably, maybe the not best use of terms. So maybe the other way to say is guard your heart. But here's how the passage goes. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Don't spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who win kings. First thing I want you to know, son, as you're about to ascend, as you're going to lead people, beware of the opposite sex. Guard your hearts and lives. Your hearts. Now, within the book of Proverbs, over and over again, you hear this kind of instruction. And over and over again, you hear it in a very negative tone, by the way. Um, over and over again, it's not only guard your hearts, but beware of the adulteress. Beware of the wanton woman. Beware of the prostitute. Over and over again, the wisdom of Proverbs is to say, be careful for the women that you run into. Here it's a little bit more succinct in that, but it's this idea that there are certain people out there that maybe are coming to get you in a different kind of way. And as a king and one, you have to be wary of that. Now, the underlying truth to that is that this kind of relationship, a promiscuous relationship, creates such devastation in the lives of people and in their relationships that it's dangerous to watch after. By the way, this same advice would be working the other way if it wasn't a man, if it was a young woman. Beware of the adulterer. Beware of the promiscuous man. All of these are important issues because the relationships we have are so significant, so important, and this kind of way of acting does tremendous damage to the hearts and to the lives of people. So, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who would ruin kings. Now, this is not the only thing, though, that the book of Proverbs says about relationships. There's a wariness, as you can hear and, you've, and I've said, but there's other parts. The book of Proverbs actually says some wonderful things about relationships and says some wonderful things about sexuality. It's kind of interesting and fascinating, and though I won't read those scriptures, I'm just going to say you can go on a treasure hunt, okay? Because it has some wonderful things to say about the joy of sex and the importance of how that intimacy works into the lives of covenant-committed people to one another. It's not all negative. She's presenting a negative here, but Proverbs as a whole is not all negative about this. It's saying another part that's healthy and wonderful and joyful. And then there's this wonderful verse that happens in Proverbs 30. It's verses 18 and 19. Listen to this. There are three things that are too amazing to me. Four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on the rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a young woman. Courtship. This wonderful idea of coming together to be the two becoming one. This sense of courtship. 
and love and grace. So Proverbs has a really well-understood idea about all of this. The warning is, be careful that this doesn't go afar, that this goes the wrong way. But the whole of Proverbs is a wonder, and even this verse is about the mystery of love. And that's what half of the rock songs, are, rock songs and country western songs are about too, right? They talk about the waywardness, but they talk about the wonder of how relationships form us, make us, and make us whole. And so the first thing is that she says to him is be careful about this relationship. But Proverbs has a much bigger understanding of this. It talks about the wonder and the joy of what this relationship is. Then there's a second thing she has to say. Not only beware or guard your heart, secondly, beware of alcohol. Listen to these words. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to crave beer. Another translation says strong drink. Least they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. So the other caution, one is a caution against dangerous relationships, and the second caution is against alcohol. It's the danger of how alcohol misused can damage not only people, but relationships in so many different kinds of ways. And Lemuel's mother says, watch out. Watch out for this because it can do great harm to you and to those that are around you. When I was at Selma First Baptist, I remember looking back in our history. And in our history, uh, Selma First Baptist, in the early 1910s and 20s, Selma First Baptist was the leader of the Selma Temperance Society. They were opposed to any kind of alcohol at all and led the campaigns throughout the city and the town. In fact, Christian organizations were very much a part of that during Prohibition. We don't talk as much about that anymore, do we? And even Baptist people, even us conservative Baptist people, are not opposed to a beer at dinner or a glass of wine. But the admonition remains, be careful, be careful, because this drug, misused, can do terrible damage. One of the dearest families in the life of the church, when I was at Selma First Baptist, had lingering brokenheartedness because a son had been killed by a drunk driver. The pain was deep. It was never going to be completely healed. The misuse of alcohol changed not only that person's life, but their lives. Unintended consequences. And that's what Lemuel's mother is saying. You may have access to this drug, but the reality is This drug can distort your understanding. 
the way you act, the way you make decisions, all the way through. Be careful. By the way, I don't see a lot of difference between that time and this time. You know, the biggest parts of our um, culture, American culture, and this spreads all the way into cultures around the world, by the way, is sports. We talk an awful lot about sports. We celebrate sports. We participate in sports. But have you ever noticed how sports is tied to alcohol, beer? Those two are tied very closely together. And so Lemuel's mother's concern for this leader is also a concern for all of us. Beware. Beware of the dangers because it can do terrible, it can do terrible damage to not only your personal psyche but to your lives and your circumstances for the future. It's a dangerous drug. Be wise with how we use this. And then there's the third thing. There were two cautions at the very beginning. Relationships or your human heart, alcohol. But then the third thing is about what is a king's responsibility. And the first thing that he says is, or the thing that she says is, a king's responsibility is to do justice and care for the disadvantaged. Verse 8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. One of the essential qualities of the king was to judge fairly, make sure that the scales of justice throughout the whole society are fair for everyone, and... Make sure that the poor are cared for. Those that don't have the advantage to take adv- those who don't have the advantages that they need in society, that the society ought to care for the poor. Over and over again, we hear this and we see this in the lives in Proverbs. The assumption is that all kings and all leaders, for that matter, have some privileges that come from them. There's a deference of respect. There's some perks that go along with kings and and leaders as a whole. They are going to get all of those kinds of things, but they have responsibilities, and their responsibilities are to oversee justice so there's a way for everyone. And the poorest of the poor who do not have the advantages of life are served by the society and the community. A little earlier on in the book of Proverbs, these are the words that, um, the, apostle, uh, that the writer says. Whoever keeps commandments keeps their life, and whoever shows contempt for their way will die. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what they have done. One of my favorite passages of Scripture comes from the prophet Micah. It's Micah 6.8. And it's these words. He has shown you what is required but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. You could repeat those again and just put those in this passage about justice, following justice, 
and caring for the poor and understand what the responsibility is for this leader. So within the context of this, it is to say, guard your heart, watch out for alcohol, and be a good king. Manage justice well, and watch out for the poor. Those are three of the instructions. And then comes the fourth, the thing that um, Lemuel's mother says. And I tend to think of this like this. So starting with what's called the, uh, the text of the virtuous woman, that at that point, Lemuel remembers a poem. Because Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, is actually a piece of Jewish poetry. It's a, poet, it's a poem called an acrostic. And what that mean, means is it takes a letter and then ascribes a characteristic for this woman. We have that, by the way, in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 119, the longest book in the Old Testament, or the, yeah, the longest chapter in the Old Testament, if you will, 150 verses, it's an acrostic. And it says, it just takes the alphabet and goes through the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And so if you just read through that, you're really reading a piece of poetry and using that device to tell this. You're kind of aware of this. Have you ever, any of you ever heard that song about mother? You know, that's an acrostic. M is for the many things. See, I wrote it down here so I can make sure I got it. M is for the many things she gave me. O means only that she's growing old. T is for the tears she said she shed to save me. Eight is for the heart of purest gold. E is for the love. E is for the eyes of, love, of loving light shining. R is for the right, as right will always be. Put them all together, and they spell mother. And mother means the world to me. Okay? So that's basically the device that was used there. And so that's really what this is. It's basically a poem that he is writing, that he's remembering that his mother taught him. By the way, in Jewish tradition, fathers, husbands, on the night before the Sabbath are supposed to sing this poem to their wives, extolling her virtues. So guys, on Saturday night, when you sit down to dinner, just begin to sing this passage of Scripture to your wives. See how well that goes. It is meant as a word of praise. It is meant as a word of encouragement. It's a meant as a word of recognition of the value this woman has in your life. This is this wonderful gift that you've been given, this virtuous woman. Or the other way I like to say it is this woman of valor, this woman of courage and respect. Shirt Hayil is the way that they say it. This is a woman who is of grace and quality, power. And these are the, ver these are the verses that are extolled in this little poem and it tells us a little bit about her, that she is a woman who is 
faithful, for her husband has great full confidence in her and lacks nothing. She is resourceful. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like a merchant ship bringing food from the altar. She's diligent. She gets up while still at night and provides food for her family. She's entrepreneurial or industrious. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her irving, she plants a vineyard. She's compassionate. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands. She's prepared when it snows. She has no fear of her household, for all of them are clothed. She's talented. She makes coverings for her bed and clothed in fine lemon. Her husband respects is respected by the city gates. She's respected. She is clothed with dignity and strength. She can laugh at the days to come. She's appreciated. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women do noble things, but she uh, surpasses them all. Lemuel remembers that this poem is been given to him by his mother and in essence to say, Find this kind of a woman that you may be a good king. Avoid these things, but find this person that you may be a good king. Now, interestingly enough, I don't think this is an example of a teenage girl that you're looking for. I think this is a mature woman who has grown into all of these issues. She has grown over time and become the woman that God intended her to be. And she's developed these characteristics over time in a wonderful, wonderful way. But look for this kind of a woman in your life if you want to do a good job as a king. Avoid unhealthy relationships. Avoid alcohol. Do the right thing. Defend the defenseless. And find this woman of valor in your lives that you might rule well. That's how the context of Proverbs 31. But there's one other thing I want to suggest to you today. In the Hebrew language, the term woman of valor, or, or the term wisdom, is, has feminine characteristics. It means that when they use that, it's usually used in, in, in terms of the feminine. So, um, and languages have, all, different languages have this. You don't get that very much in English. But in some languages, they have this kind of thing. And there are many scholars that have suggested is, what this is a poem is, it's about a poem that personifies what wisdom really is. When you look through the book of Proverbs all the way through and all the instructions and all the little insights into life that have been given you all the way through, when you want to put that into practical terms, it's right here. It's in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. It's not only the way a woman ought to, be, ought to add, add wisdom to, but it's also the way a man. You want to see a man fully developed as a man of valor. He should have this all these same 
kind of characteristics. Let me try this for a second. What if you substituted man and the male pronoun instead of the, instead of the feminine? Think about this. A man of noble character who can find. He is worth far more than diamonds. His wife has full competence in him. He lacks nothing. He brings her good, not harm, all the days of his life. He selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. He's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. He gets up while still night. He provides food for his family and portions for his servants. He considers a field and buys it, and out of his earnings, he plants a vineyard or an orchard. He sets out his work vigorously. His arms are strong to the task. He sees that his trading is profitable, and his lamp is uh, and his lamp does not go out. He opens his arms to the poor and extends his hand. When it snows, he has no fear for his household, for all of them are clothed. He makes coverings for his bed. And it's the word, a man who has taken care of everything, just like a woman who has taken care of everything. What I'm telling you is that when you get to this final chapter, ultimately, what you see is all of the other chapters and all of the other insights congealed down into one succinct cliff note version of what it means to be wise. What Proverbs is all about in real life is what's found in Proverbs 31. It's not only a saying for Lemuel, but it's a saying for all of us. This is what God is calling us. This is the way that God is calling us to, to live. And what, how does that end? How does that verse, how does that book end? Charm is deceitful, beautiful fade, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Ultimately, at the very end, it is the fear of the Lord that allows all of this other to happen. And how does the book of Proverbs start? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. It's an arc all the way through. Wisdom begins with God your reverence and your respect to his ways and his person. And out of that flows all the wisdom that allows you to live life to honor the Lord you serve. And ultimately, that's what this verse is trying to, these verses are trying to say. We are called to fear the Lord and we are called to live that out daily. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness to us. Thank you for your word which reminds us how to live. Thank you for your word that opens our eyes in so many situations in which we are faced and sometimes stubble. Father, on this day, 
Open our hearts that we may see you clearly, know your ways, and follow you faithfully that we might be a people who fear and honor you in everything we do. We pray this in your name. Amen.